Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your continuous mercy towards us and your grace towards us every day. We are so undeserving, but yet by the purpose of your will and, and uh, because it pleased you, you've saved we who believe in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we pray that you would um, give Brother Norm the words to speak, that he would utter the unsearchable riches of you, Lord Jesus, and that we who are your people, we who are saved and redeemed, that we might rejoice and be in awe of how great you are, God, and how great our Savior is. And we love you and praise you, and we pray that you, Lord Jesus, would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's a delight to be with you. I've, I've had more fun than a human should have. Just enjoyed it so much to be with your pastor, meet you folks, and put faces on names that we've heard of. And I've known of the church here for a long time, but it's nice to be here and meet you folks. And uh, had the pleasure of meeting Brother Bird down at uh, Crossville, Tennessee. We sat across the table from each other. I didn't know him, and he didn't know me, but we introduced each other like we're supposed to, and we had good fellowship and uh, enjoyed that. And then I met your pastor uh, about 10 years ago, as he said. I have been accustomed in our church for about the last 25 years of going through books, books of the Bible. Starting at the beginning, go through the book, find another book. And pray that I'm being led of the Holy Spirit to do that. There are several reasons for doing that. When I moved to the Dalles, uh, it's a small work, small group of people, and I got a job teaching school. And teaching school and pastoring is two full-time jobs put into one. And so I needed some way of being able to deal with preaching, and the Lord just led me go to a book, and you'll always know where you are. You won't have to wonder what's going to happen next Sunday or next Wednesday or next Sunday night. Second thing that I found out about that was if I heard something about somebody, I didn't start making up a message about them. You know, it prevented me from getting involved in stuff that I didn't need to get involved with. I just preached the gospel. Now, sometimes it smacked people right in the face that I didn't even know it did. But I wasn't intending to do that. That was not my goal. My goal was to go through the Word of God, and Brother Henry Mahan, who brought me the Gospel, shared with me, he says, God's people just want to know what the Bible says. That's what they want to know. And they do their own study, but they want to know from the pulpit what the Bible says. What the Bible says about God. What the Bible says about Christ. What the Bible says about sin what the Bible says about heaven, what the Bible says about our, our daily walk. They want to know what the Bible says about those things. And they don't want men's inventions brought to the pulpit. So God being my helper, that's what I've wanted to do. And we've been in the Dallas almost 30 years now. And I look back and we've covered a lot of books of the Bible. And it's been a blessing to me. But do you think I can remember all that stuff? I have to go over it again. 
It's just constant going over. We are people that forget so easily, and that's why we're called on to remember. Remember the things of God. Remember the Word of God and go over it. About 25 years ago, I brought a message from the book of Luke. We were in the book of Luke, and I was wrapping it up, and I ran into a passage I'd like to read before we go any further, and that's in the 24th chapter of the book of Luke. After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, You remember the account of the two on the road to Emmaus. Now, I have no interest in my my entire life of ever going over to the unholy land, (laughs) the holy land, whatever they want to call it. I don't want to go over there. I can see from the scriptures. And my friends, if you can't see from the scriptures and enjoy from the scriptures what God said about places and people and things, you wouldn't believe any more if you were standing on the plot. Abraham told that man, he said, if your brothers will not believe Moses and the prophets, they'll not believe though one rose from the dead. And that's all our brothers had to preach from, the apostles, the Lord Jesus, the apostle Paul, all they ever preached was from the Old Testament. So I was here in the book of Luke wrapping up, and in the uh, verse 25 of the chapter 24 it says, And then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And when I read that, you know, so often preachers run these two on the road to Emmaus down because they didn't believe God. I am convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ is sharing with these two on the road to Emmaus that you will never get this by study, but it's by revelation. He's not putting them down so much as to illustrate the point to us that we'll never comprehend or understand the Word of God without Christ being revealed to us. The Bible is a revelation, and if it isn't revealed to us, we'll not see it. And when we see it, we'll rejoice. And if you've got that much from the Word of God, it's been by revelation, and thank God for it. We got, that's a whole lot more than we had. So he goes on, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And my comment at that moment was, Wouldn't it have been grand to be there? Wow! When our Savior revealed himself in all the Old Testament scriptures. That night I went to bed, About midnight I woke up and I said, we have it. We have all of that. It's the Old Testament. And it was then and there I started going to the Old Testament for most of my messages. Christ in the Old Testament. Now would you turn with me to the book of, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It may be correct in Oregon, but it may not be correct in Michigan. (laughs) Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it. We've been going through the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk Habakkuk. (laughs) Uh, about a year. I wanted to go, I just felt led to go through the book of Habakkuk. I'm convinced that if we had only the book of Habakkuk, we better find the gospel there. I read about a fellow that was taking Bibles into Russia. And one of his entire shipments was captured by the Russian government and they not wanting to waste it turned it into toilet paper and these people found that they were having this toilet paper in the stores and the Bible they had not taken the time to lift the print off 
And they were buying these rolls of toilet paper so they could take them to church and read them. And I said, you know, how precious it is. How precious it is. So if we only had the book of Obadiah, we only had the book of Habakkuk, we're going to find the gospel there. We're going to find Christ there. And that's what the, old, the prophets used. Uh, John and James and Peter and Paul and Christ. That's all they had when they were preaching Christ. If the Ethiopian eunuch had been reading the book of Habakkuk instead of the book of Isaiah, Philip would have started at the same place and preached unto him Jesus. Wouldn't matter which book it was out of. The little book of Habakkuk and... I wish I could do the whole first chapter, but I can't. And Brother Wayne pointed out, the clock is on the back wall. <laughs> no, he didn't. I asked him, is there a clock so I can keep time? <laughs> and it's there, and it's keeping the move. But in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm convinced, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we lived in the day of Habakkuk, And if we love God, and we love Christ, and we love the gospel, we'd been looking this guy up. Because he knew something. Just a, just a man out of all men knew something about God because God had revealed it to him. And we'd want to hear this man. Because all the other prophets were false prophets. There's one man that knew something about God. And he's given this book, the book of Habakkuk, to share with us. And it says, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. This book, like most books of the prophets, if you look it up in a commentary, they're going to tell you that this man is foretelling things for the future. And usually it's way down. Now, all the prophets of the Old Testament shared things that were going to come in the future. They shared the virgin birth of Christ. That was a future event, and we, deep, we love it. They shared where he was going to be born. They shared when he was going to be born. They shared the conditions of when he would be born. They shared future events to them. But it had to do with Christ. And if we carry it much further than that, we're going to be out in left field. And we need to come back to Christ and say, what is he saying about Christ? Now Habakkuk here, it shares with us a couple of things about Habakkuk the prophet. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that Christ is prophecy. He's the reason for prophecy. He is the end of prophecy. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. So if we look at it, the book of Habakkuk as a prophet, we're going to see Jesus Christ as what he is prophesying about or telling or foretelling about. He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And the record that God gave of his Son is found in the book of Habakkuk. This passage, this one verse of scripture shares with us three words that I'd like to look at this morning in the time I have left. 
Number one, burden. Number two, prophet. And number three, did see. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now, the bur- this word prophet, this prophecy is called a burden or something took up or carried. Being what a prophet received from the Lord and went to the people, he preached it. Now, he was given something from God, and it was a burden to carry to the people. Now, I, I, I was talking to Brother Henry Mahan one time, or maybe I wrote him a letter, and I said, you know, the pastorate and preparing message is not work. It's labor, but it's not work. And Habakkuk could admit with us, too, this morning, that what he had, this burden that he had, it was a labor, but it was not work. God gave it to him, and God gave him the message, and he didn't have to create it. That's the problem I had in religion. I had to create it. When Christ saved me, I quit creating it because he just gave, he gives it to us. And it may be just a small, insignificant passage of Scripture, but whatever he gives us, that's what we needed at that moment. And this burden is the same word that we find with regard to the sons of Kohath. Now, the sons of Kohath had a very special part of dealing with the moving or setting up of the tabernacle. That tabernacle was such that it could be moved, and I don't know how often they did it, but it was built so that they could move it. And it was moved from time to time. And there was responsibility given to certain people to do certain things about the moving of the tabernacle. And the sons of Kohath had the responsibility of carrying some of those very special parts that were inside the tabernacle. And you know when they lifted up that whole, that mercy seed on their shoulders and began to carry it, it was labor but not work. It was their burden to carry. And if those people that carried that burden knew anything about Christ, they knew that this is not work. This is labor, but this is not work. It was their burden. And that's the same word that was given to Habakkuk about this book. It's the burden. I have a responsibility to take something to this specific people. I've never known of a pastor that didn't have a responsibility to a specific people. We preach Christ and him crucified, and we send out a general call, but God has some specific people he intends to hear that message. Wherever we go, there's only one reason for a church here in Almont. There's some sheep here. There's some saved sheep. And we trust there's still some lost sheep that God will bring in. Might be our family, might be our children, might be our grandchildren, might be our brothers, our sisters, mothers or fathers. But we trust, we believe there's some lost sheep here. There's found sheep and they need the same food that we dispense to the lost sheep. But God's the only one that can apply that. So we have a burden. God's people have a burden. They have a burden. That burden is Christ. Nothing else. There is no other burden placed upon the people of God except Christ and him crucified because he is the only one can effectually call out his people. So this burden, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, for necessity is laid, laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me. 
Paul had a burden. It was given to him by God, just like everybody else. The Apostle Paul would be the first one to say, I'm not a special Christian. In fact, he said, I'm the least. I'm the least of believers. I'm the least of apostles. And besides that, I am the chiefest of sinners. He never bragged on himself. He always bragged on Christ. He always put himself in the least. We always find, as we go through the scriptures and as we get older, we find out that God continually gets bigger with us and we continue to get smaller with us. God's glory is greater than we thought. God's purpose is greater than we thought. Even to the very insignificant little things that happen, God has moved them in such a way that they will accomplish these eternal purpose. We don't understand it, but we're just thankful for God for it. He moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. That's the burden that God's people have, declaring that God, that Savior, that Lord. It's necessity. Now, this word prophet, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Bible. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, in writing the book of First and Second Corinthians, had the same Thing given to him as Habakkuk did. Brother Wayne and I were talking this morning. We're all chosen at the same time Paul was chosen. <laughs> wow. In the company of Peter, James, Noah, Abel. God chose the people all at the same time. We're in great company. It's called a great cloud of witness. And they're all saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and praise. This prophet, holy men of God, spake as they were moved. I had a real issue with God for a little while. I was 30, 36, 35 years old when I heard the gospel. I'd been in, the, in a fake religious ministry, pastoring, for 15 years when I heard the gospel. And I, just used, I was just wrangling with God. Why didn't you save me sooner? The waste, the lies I told on you. The waste of my time. And then, as this prophet Habakkuk was called exactly at the right time, I was driven over to the book of Galatians and the Apostle Paul, he said, in the fullness of time. When it was the right time. In the fullness of time, he came. Christ came. fullness of time, the Holy Spirit appeared unto to Saul on the road to Damascus. He had a lot of years of waste in that Jewish religion. A lot of people died as a result of him. And yet, in the right Appointed time, God saved him. So you know what? I had peace now. It was at the right time. Thank God it was at a time. At a time. And it turned out to be the right time. Now this last word I want to look at for just a few moments. Did see. To see or to perceive. To see or to behold. This word is used some 51 times in 47 verses in the Old Testament. And in the Hebrews, this word... and Please forgive me, I don't pronounce Hebrew words or Greek words because I don't know how. 
I thought at one time in religion I was going to learn Greek and Hebrew and learn how to read it. And I have great pride in doing this. And I bought the books. And guess what? I didn't. I couldn't. And I won't. I know a little Hebrew, and he has a bread store in the Dalles. Yeah. I don't know the word, but I know this. And I'm thankful to the men that God touched to give us books that we can look up some of these words and say, Oh, wow. That's what that is. This word is principally poetical. It's not with these eyes. It's metaphorically. It's spiritually. To see. Use, turn with me to Psalm 27 and verse 4. Would you do that please? Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing, Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now this next two words, to behold, is the same word we found over in the book of Habakkuk, did see. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. To behold, this is the gift of God to the church, and this is the prayer of the church, is to behold Christ. It's the gift of God for us to be able to do that, but it's the prayer of the church that we get to do that. Lord, show me more. Not more eschatology, not more prophecy, but show me Christ. That's what Habakkuk was going to show the people. Now, there were a lot of incidents going on. Assyria was about to come in and overwhelm Israel at that time. A lot of problems. And you know, in the midst of that problems, Habakkuk is led to write these words that the Apostle Paul was used to write three different times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2. The just shall live by faith. That's what Habakkuk was used to write. And he got to see some things. To behold. What does it mean to behold the beauty of the Lord? To see him in his glory. To see him as king. To see him as Lord. Capital L. Capital O. Capital R. Capital D. When we run into that in the Old Testament, and the translators did us a favor, when you run into those capital letters, you're running into Jehovah. Oh, that's what it is to be able to see the beauty of the Lord. That's what Habakkuk was given. He was giving something. He was able to see something, and it was able to see Christ, and he was going to share Christ with those people. The saints of old reviewed the Old Testament ordinances by faith and not by sight. We're going to be looking at a chapter 2 in the book of Leviticus during the next session and tonight, and... I am convinced, I, I believe I, as we read the book of Hebrews, the people that observed those offerings, they no more had faith in those offerings than you and I have in the cup or the broken bread when we observe the communion service. 
And if you hold something in that that is more than it has ever been scriptural, then you are not de uh, depending on Christ alone. And if those people in the Old Testament were depending on these sacrifices as part of their redemptive work, they did not have Christ. You, it's Christ alone or nothing. So the, uh, uh, we, we, we do, as the prophet here, looking at the beauty of the Lord, beholding the beauty of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. That was one of the things that uh, the world found fault with the early church. Uh, we can't see your God. And they'd say, you're right. Well, we're used to having this idol here. I know. The Jews had a brazen serpent and worshipped it. Golden calf worshipped it. They had to have something visible. And that's what the world has to have, is something visible. And the church, we have the invisible. It's walking by faith and not by sight. It's not depending on pictures or, or diagrams or, or uh, objects. We worship God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And to the world, I don't know how you can do that. And we say, I understand that. Been there. Now, I just trust Christ. How do you do that? Well, I just trust Christ. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. That's just the way it is. So, there's nothing efficacious in any of the Old Testament ordinances, only pictorial views of the gospel, of salvation, of substitution, of the Savior. And creation in the book of Genesis shares with us much more than just creation. It shares with us a mighty God that can create. And also that if there's going to be a creation in us, it must be of God and we're not a participant in it. Adam and Eve's covering is more than just a sheepskin. It pictures our righteousness. Abel's offering is more than just a lamb. It pictures Christ. The ark is more than just a wooden boat. It is a picture of our Savior and our safety in him. Abraham and Sarah and Hagar are more than just Old Testament characters. The Apostle Paul says, I show you a picture. If you're under Hagar, you obey the law. If you're under Sarah, you're a free person. The Passover, the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle, the high priest, Joshua, Elijah, David, and the temple, all of those things are pictures of our glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did behold, did see, did have, and is passed on to us by grace, to get to see these glorious, glorious pictures and then to see our Savior. And we don't build stone pictures of it. We don't build pictures by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Brother Wayne.